0: This is Alone With Our Principals Podcast, Episode 9. If I'm going to get busted, it's not going to be a guy like that. I'm Eric.
1: I'm Chris, and we're both elementary school principals, baseball fans, and In-N-Out Burger enthusiasts. On this episode, we chat with the Unified School District's Director of Student Services, Isaac Newman Gomez, and Mission Crest Elementary Principal, Ryan Plesha about student discipline and behavior support. Alone With Our Principals is
0: unofficially sponsored by Sporks. With sporks, you can move from applesauce to roast beef and back to mashed potatoes with seamless efficiency.
1: Don't we'll mess with the bully, young man. You'll get the horns.
2: You've got a real attitude problem, if why you're a slacker.
0: So far this semester, he has been absent nine times.
3: I'm the principal, man.
1: All right, and we're here with Ryan and Isaac. Good morning, gentlemen. Good
3: morning. Good morning. How is the
0: pandemic
1: treating everybody? Pretty good. I think uh, we're all getting by, doing what we can. Oh, you know it. As director of student services, Isaac is known in the district as the COVID whisperer.
3: <laughs> I've been whispering a lot lately. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I got to be honest with you. Our community, uh, you know, as far as our district, uh, we've been we've been doing. Uh, Better than I. Better than I mean it could be a lot worse. Yeah. I, my heart goes out to all the people that are having a hard time, but uh, right now what we really need is some laughter, some levity, and so I'm glad to be a part of the podcast. Here we, and we are. <laughs> to try
0: to get some people to laugh. That'd be good. So Chris, I know you wrote the intro to this, but you do know I worked at In and Out, right? So you, yeah, I
1: think we talked about that in a, yeah. pri- in a previous episode. But who doesn't like In and Out Burger?
3: I, I'm just gonna tell you honestly, I would. I actually prefer Fat Burger to In and Out. In and Out's really? good. Don't get me wrong. But is was it nice because of fried the name? A fried egg on top. But yeah, I don't know if that sounds healthy, but it's not. But no. it's, it's tasty, though. I like
1: a company that knows who they are.
3: Exactly. I have never one with it. You heard right. about that guy uh, in La- Las Vegas. He started the Heart Attack Burger. Yes. He actually was a heart surgeon and then <laughs> opened up uh, this other business. Now, I'm not trying to say that you should all run out and be unhealthy, but this guy said he just got really tired of telling people they couldn't eat what they wanted to and couldn't live what they wanted to and just went the complete opposite direction. And now, I believe it's anybody over 300 pounds gets to eat for free, so my friends... I get to eat for free every time I go to Heart Attack Burger. Have I, you been? Yes, yes so I actually,
0: I've, I've heard of this. Okay. I actually went there. We were I know one there's one in Arizona. There's one yeah. in Vegas. There's a few of them. Yeah, right. I think yes, I've right. been
1: to the one in Vegas, and you walk in, they, they give you uh, a hospital gown, yep. and yeah, yeah. This this is there. They don't pretend to be anything. Baked in lard. I mean the fries. It's, mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's not if you don't big, finish so. your
0: meal, is there some type of punishment? I yeah, there's something or other. I don't know exactly.
2: what <laughs> How would not you know? <laughs> He's 300 pounds plus, so who's going yeah, to punish him? Yeah, to no. paint
3: the picture for everybody who's just aw- like listening on audio, I'm not the average 340 pound person. I'm no. like, yeah, so I'm, big, I'm bigger than that. So. Isaac's a
1: giant, as, well <laughs> as what we're trying to say. Yeah. He's hey.
0: just he's just big boned.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd call it festively plump. I mean, we're almost there at Christmas. It's
4: Christmas time. Let's do it festively plump.
0: Yeah, but yes. you're not just plump at Christmas, man. <laughs> but yeah, year round, but, but it's
1: okay. I'm at one with it. Hey. I'm yeah, having a good gone, time. Ahead. So, hi Ryan. Well, hello. <laughs>
2: We're on gonna, the quiet one day, I guess, there you go. which is not the norm. Uh, no, so we're going to start off,
1: have you guys take us through your background, your experience in the district, and then we'll kind of kick it into uh, the other fun mirth and madness as we go. But uh, tell us what brought let's you see, uh, to your principal job. Mirth. That's let's the word see. of the day. Nice.
0: Right.
2: Tell us about your mirth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go back to in and out That just sounds better. <laughs> no, no. no. I like where mirth is. Let's see what this takes <laughs> let's just, let's, just <laughs> let's run with this mirth idea for mm-hmm. a little bit. That's a new one. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm going to run away from the mirth and go right into what we're supposed to talk about right now. Keep you guys on track. I'm not sure I'd be my, keep my job today. Because we all know if you know me, that's not my job. Plus, she's the one that's
3: going to keep us on track. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. In, we're in trouble. <laughs> huge. Mirth huge one of the trouble. things that the three wise men gave to
0: baby Jesus. I
3: don't know how to work. okay. <laughs> and birth. And birth. it works. Frankenstein's a bird. Clothes?
0: I oh, You're on it. Oh, okay. Good. Carrie, okay, <laughs> you're going to want to fact check it. Mirth. Just write down mirth. I'm mean, <laughs> sure you spell it. It's, it's in the manger seed. I'm that's sure I come think up there's here. a lie in there somewhere. Damn, you
1: have a baby Jesus? There isn't. Check on the birth. This, this uh, so Ryan,
3: what brings you, the to, you... No, no, no we're not done here. I'm trying to derail <laughs> your podcast. I'm going to make Eric late for his medium with the last thing I do. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I never it's even called.
2: add to my In-N-Out story. Anybody had a 4 by 4 Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Animal yeah. style. Uh, and you're telling
3: me that that's better? No, I'm, not, I'm not, not an animal style fan, <laughs> but I will have the chopped <laughs> peppers on it. you got to go with the chopped peppers. I think the
1: 4 by 4 is what he calls the kitty meal.
3: No, I actually... I normally get the 3x3s three because uh, the 4x4, four four, and this is honest to God, my, my,
2: my jaw doesn't unhinge like the snakes or anything like that. I can't get that whole, there's no chilling motion. The feasible. feasibility
3: of the 4x4, four four, I, I, question, I question it, you know? Yeah. But you see those people walk in there and order an 8x8, eight eight, you just look at them funny, like you have some respect for what you're doing here. They'd have to
2: you're, bring a spork, right? Yeah, I,
3: exactly! That's spork territory.
0: So right, we're now forty nine minutes in, and we're, uh, we're still in the intro. Go oh, ahead, right, Ryan. To
3: quote the great uh, Doc Holiday, "I have not yet begun to defile myself." <laughs> no kidding. Oh, it man. is
2: twelve twenty. How are we gonna get out the food? It's just not possible. It's lunchtime. we,
0: we just now renamed this episode.
1: Yeah. Right
2: <laughs> the principles. Okay. Alone with the mirth. I don't know. Okay. So Go yeah. ahead. Oh goodness, where do I begin? All right, right from the beginning. Been in education since uh, 1996. I was teaching, taught Upland. And so that's 24 years in. Uh, taught for 10 years, mostly third and fourth grade. So I like to enjoy that age group, and um, got to be a coach for a year. All you coaches, academic coaches out there, that is the, that is an amazing job. I'm not gonna say for the best job, but it is an awesome job, influencing others. And then came to, came to Asperia, and uh, got to be an assistant principal. Over at Kingston, and then now at Mission Crest. I've been there ever since. All right, Isaac. Uh, <laughs> I, he's I, not going there yet. How <laughs> so
3: can I like, I'm derail this? Yeah, yeah, he's disrupting yeah. uh, me. I was born in. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. No, uh, my uncle brought mirth. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, I was really into athletics, and um, I, I always I just got uh, connected with uh, some coaches and some uh, some people that just really. Pushed me in the right direction, uh, and uh, so I always wanted to be a teacher when I was younger, and then I went to college, and I am the only six foot seven, 300-and-something pound person who majored in math that I'm aware of. <laughs> it was really, really weird to be in the math classes with, with the people like, I'm a bona fide nerd. I love Star Wars. I have lightsabers and a Darth Vader mask. But I, I just am built a little bit different, so whatever. It's, it's, Literally,
2: it's, 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 <laughs>
3: weightlifting nerds, we got those. That's so in cool. any case, uh, uh, after that, I went to I went to college. I played basketball in college. Everybody always thinks it's football, but I don't even know the rules for football. Um, and then. Uh, I started in graduate school, I was teaching, then I became an administrator, uh, was the vice principal of discipline for seven years at a high school, assistant principal for a few years, was principal for five years. And now, this is my second year as Director of Student Services. All right.
1: Okay. Through all the madness, we forgot to say hi to Carrie. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you for being here, as always, to check our facts and other technical expertise.
4: Hello, gentlemen of Mirth.
0: It's nice <laughs> to right. be with you today. Wow. <laughs> it's good to be. May the Mirth be with you. Oh, a <laughs> oh, Happy, Happy birthday.
1: Just going to be. <laughs> Example he sets is a
4: first-class Nowhere.
1: All right, so that'll bring us to our next segment, which we call the quiz. We've got three questions okay, that we kind of ask all of our guests. So uh, we'll start with you, Ryan. Um, tell us a funny or memorable story from when you were a student in school. When I was a student in school,
2: that's that's kind of a tough one. You know, when I was thinking, uh, thinking about this question, it's... Uh, there are so many times that when you go through, go, growing up, going through sports and all the rest, I mean, you're going to have a few, a few memorable stories. And I think, um, I don't know about funny,
1: but um, mistake-oriented. There you go. Those That seems to be a recurring theme in these. <laughs> <laughs> you know, playing football, or, you know,
2: picked us, play uh, tight ends, cut caught a pass, and you'd think you would know where you're at on the field it's important it's important to know caught it going one way did a move thought I was going to run a defender next thing you know I kind of got disoriented and found myself running the wrong direction wrong way plusha oh yeah wrong way plusha yeah thank you that was a nickname I had for a minute and I was like oh and then had to be tackled by my own team because I was heading the wrong direction <laughs> were you six years old <laughs> I, I know, I just, I got, it. not popular. and I got this turned, like, and I, how I mean, were you? I did it. I know, it never, no, I'm asking I'm, you Answer the, the question, I was on the varsity senior team,
3: so you were 17 years old, and you ran the wrong direction on the football field, for a minute, yes, I feel like you need a hug right now, I something. did need a hug, <laughs> I needed
2: a hug after that big time, but you said funny and embarrassing, and you wanted to be transparent, that was the worst thing, and this is a varsity team, so, I mean, you're talking about in front of a live audience of, of, of,
1: of good proportions, so, I he actually you. said funny or memorable, but embarrassing is always welcome.
2: Yeah, and that's about as funny as it gets. It doesn't get embarrassing works. So, there you go. Went the wrong way on a football field. Mine's surprisingly similar. And trust me, I've got a whole bunch of
3: embarrassing stories. Because when you go out, you, I'm just hard to embarrass. So, when you don't really care, like, you rack up these stories. But in any case, <laughs> I remember I was playing basketball. It was a summer league game. Now, you understand the summer league, you have this whole new team of guys. It, it, your team probably is not going to be like what it normally is. And you're also playing in all these tournaments, so it's it's just a very weird situation during summer. So yeah, yeah. we're playing away, and both teams are not from where we're playing at the time. So we jump out there and we start playing. And my team this summer wasn't very strong, and so I start scoring a lot of points. And I look at the scoreboard. You know, we're you know, I'm we're this we're not from here, so we're the visitor. I look at the visitor. I'm like, damn, we're, dude, we're losing. We are losing. And so, and I'm I'm scoring a lot of points. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to try harder. So I start trying harder and trying harder and scoring more points and scoring more points. And I was like, and so at halftime, we go in there, and I'm like, we're down by even more now. And I'm like, how the heck is this happening? And I start getting really mad. I don't listen to a word the coach says. I'm just fuming upset. And I'm like, I'm going to win this game by myself if I have to. Second half, I go out there playing like a maniac. I'm diving for basketballs. So I'm dunking on people. I'm going all over the place. At the end of the game... Uh, I get I get like knocked down and I'm, my knees hurting. And the coach takes me out. We we lose by forty six points, and I had like forty points that game. And so, some friend of mine, we're walking out with the team. A friend of mine stopped me. He's like, "Man, what happened?" I was like, "Man, we lost by forty points." And my coach is like, "We were home team."
0: <laughs> <laughs> were
1: so, you not noticing that the other dude, team wasn't? Dude, scoring? when you're trying hard,
3: like you just lose track of everything. And like I was the look like the biggest jerk, diving for the ball. <laughs> dunking on people and like that were you
1: on the court playing defense at any point dude
3: I was like I was even remember thinking I was like why is no one else on my team trying like they're all (laughs) giving up this is terrible it's like I met with the coach afterwards I was like why didn't you tell me or take me out why didn't you take me out? And he's like, well, you're just playing so good. <laughs> Why is you the other
1: team crying
0: when they're ahead by so much? He's running like he's mad at the court. <laughs> I looked. I
3: looked. I was super embarrassed at that point because I'm sure everybody looked at me like I was the biggest jerk in the entire world, and so that was really embarrassing. But the reason I use that one is that it taught me a really valuable lesson: is that like, there's no reason to not be trying as hard as you can, no matter what. And the score doesn't matter. What's happening around you doesn't matter. Everything you try, you should try as hard as you possibly can. And I can say that I really did take that away from that. I I really do. You're either going to get two settings. I'm either going to try as hard as I can or I'm not even going to do it. You can ask my wife. She's mad at me about
2: that all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like it, stop me from scoring.
2: (laughs) And you think about it, you know, for me, and I didn't reflect on it necessarily. And I did through the years. Anybody can make a mistake. Anytime. You think, like you said, a six-year-old would do that. (laughs) Maybe, but I was, you know, <laughs> yes. And we, we get mixed up. We can, because if we get mistaken in a situation like that, so can anybody. You're right. gonna you so kind of have grace. Athletics teaches us a lot, and
3: I think the most important thing it teaches you is the that stick, stick with itness. You don't give up. Like Muhammad Ali said, "There's nothing wrong with going down. There is something wrong with staying down." Yeah. That, that, that's what athletics taught me more than anything else. It's totally your. It's failure is just a learning experience. Don't worry about it. Get back up and do it again. And people routinely, I think that there's a lot of people out there that need to learn that. Like, it, failure shouldn't be something that you avoid. You're going to try to do the best you can to avoid it, but it, it shouldn't make you
0: fearful, I guess, is what I'm saying. Right. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, I know both of you pretty well, but I'm actually excited to ask this next question because I, I don't know the answer that you're going to give me. So we'll start with you, Isaac, this time. Best job you've ever had outside of education? I was going to say Bodyguard. Bodyguard was my favorite. My of course, favorite. He is. Be not surprised <laughs> in the least.
3: <laughs> I, I, first of all, I didn't have a bunch of jobs. I mean, I worked fast food restaurants and stuff like that. Until it went out of business. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that may or may not have happened. Uh, <laughs> um, I've I, I, I bounced at clubs, been bouncers, the guy stands behind the velvet rope and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of really a terrible job, to be Good honest with me. you. It's it's not fun. But uh, the, the bodyguard job was pretty cool because you got to go to really cool places. And sure, you had to stand there with a suit with a stupid microphone in your ear, but it was it was pretty interesting. And uh, you know, I was younger at the time, so I loved being in those you know a big club party, and you're on top of the roof of some crazy building, and you just have to babysit some guy who's worth a bunch of money. It was fun. It was really really cool. But to be honest with you, I would hate the job now. I wouldn't want to do it now. Um, they actually I actually had a job offer right out of college to work. Uh, at, for this big uh, like company that did that but they said that my
0: first posting would be like in the Middle East and I was, wasn't about all that so wow. I didn't do it mm-hmm. wow alright Flasha how about you best job outside of education bouncer no <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was amazing actually
0: and that's a funny
1: thing to notice it's like you're not a small guy none of us in the room no. are, are, are particularly small and Isaac just towers over us but anyway. I, I
2: played football and he's yeah. bigger than me um so um going back i started very young in education as well a few jobs but i had some doozies and this one was, was what i thought would have been my favorite i'll just preface with that so i i like to fish and uh as a, as a kid i did ocean fishing stream fishing lake fishing so i thought man it would be just absolutely amazing to be to work as on a boat as a deckhand. you know go out on ocean liners help people out so a buddy of mine and I decided that we would, not having much experience in that, we'd go to school for it, so we saved some money and went to school, actually earned money on the way down there because we, uh, his parents owned a uh, lumber yard, so we went down on, uh, went to a house down there and actually unloaded lumber for a project they were doing, it took us a couple days, as was a truckload, and they paid us for it, which paid for the schooling on how to be a deckhand. Then we went down to the different... Uh, the wharf went down and solicited from the different captains. Hey, you guys need a deckhand because it supposedly paid pretty well, between fifteen and a hundred bucks a day. And back in that time, it was a lot of money. So we got hired on. I thought this is going to be great. so around there, the you know the ocean breeze, salt. I'm like, oh yeah. And then you have like 50 people because if you understand fish, they're in schools. So if you've been on these tours, they catch them all at the same time. So you're out there gaffing fish, pulling it. I don't think, I mean, I've worked hard, but it wasn't about the working hard. It was about grabbing the fish, and hooking the fish, putting the lines on. By the time I was done, I was covered in fish guts, scales. I mean, I understand why fishermen smell. And there is no way on this earth, I washed my clothes six times. They just had me burned. They had me thrown away. There was no way to get that smell out. So I, I thought I would love that job. I did it for a, a trial for a week, was hired, but ended up going to football camp, so I couldn't, I couldn't commit to it. But awesome experience, really good experience, but no, no, way too smelly. Not going to do it. You know, there's a trick
3: from fishing that I learned is that, uh, believe it or not, if you wash your hands with salt, mm-hmm. just put salt on there and wash it around. The salt absorbs the oil and the fish scent goes away. I don't know if that works for clothes.
2: Uh, I don't know about clothes, and I had, didn't have that knowledge at that time. So he just went
1: home smelling like carp every day. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I don't want people
3: to get okay. the wrong idea about what I said too. It's not like I was like watching like some high end celebrity. <laughs> it was low time
0: stuff, but it was fun. So
1: we're gonna fact check that, aren't we, Ken? Yeah, that's good.
0: Which good I'm just kidding.
1: Who, who was Isaac a bodyguard for? If you? I want to
0: find a picture on the internet. of Isaac in a members only jacket and an earbud.
1: Standing next to like Justin Bieber. yeah. <laughs> no,
0: again, small time to get to
3: people. It was, it was not glamorous in any way. It just, I didn't have much jobs other than education.
1: So there it is. All right. And our last quiz question, and we'll start with you this time, Ryan. What is a skill, talent, or hobby of yours that would surprise your students and colleagues? Interesting question.
2: Uh, I think one of my, I guess it would be a hobby of mine. I love to ski. Love to ski, and I spend a lot of time skiing. Whether that's in the summertime I'm water skiing, or in the wintertime I like to snow ski. So I get out and walk on water as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. One that would
3: surprise people, I think, would probably be uh, uh, cooking. I love to cook. I'm always cooking, like like serious cooking too, like you know red red wine reductions and and you know all kinds of different you know. Truffled prime rib and stuff like that. I, I, have a good, I have a fun time with it. So you're wow. going fancy.
0: He sent me a picture of a brisket a couple weeks ago. Looked pretty good. Yeah, oh, pinky geez. out, buddy. Pinky <laughs> out.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad. You sounded like Dirty Harry just then.
0: All right. So now we're going to get into the meat. No. Of the oh, podcast. See uh, what I did there? Oh, I like this. Uh, yeah, literally. see? hey, Nice High transition. St- well done. High
1: stakes <laughs> are in play now. Oh, my gosh. Uh,
0: so, <laughs> so, honestly, so there's a particular reason why we choose the people we choose and invite people we invite onto these podcasts. And so for this particular one, you know, knowing Mr. Gomez's role in our district and how he supports all school sites with uh, student discipline and social-emotional learning and, and those kinds of things. And then, obviously, me more personally, working with Ryan all those years at Mission Crest, I you know. We made, a, a, in our opinion, kind of a dream team of sorts. We had a great time, learned a lot from each other, uh, but really grew what we were doing um, as a a team over at that school and helping support kids in all different kinds of ways. So in any case, uh, there's reasons why we invited you guys to talk about this topic of student discipline and social emotional learning. So um, it's really just kind of an open floor to talk about some of those topics, but um, let's start with this idea of discipline versus punishment versus supporting a student or a family i think in my opinion sometimes they're definitely overlapping and interconnectedness of those but sometimes uh it's it's the right time for one versus the other what, do you, what are your guys' thoughts on on that topic
3: first of all i, I hate the word discipline i, I don't think that's pr- the, the right word to be used maybe back in the day when they had the paddle and stuff like that which i disagreed with too but uh you could use the word discipline. But nowadays, it's, it's really intervention. Student services. Like, we're, I always say that we, we're all educators. We're trying to teach kids. But sometimes we don't just teach them. Well, not sometimes, all the time. We're not just teaching math, English, science, social studies. We're also teaching kids how, you know, right from wrong, how to behave. And we're supporting the same theme that's being taught at home so that you can be a productive adult and stay out of trouble and live a fruitful life and be happy. I mean... You need these skills uh, to be able to be successful.
2: Yeah, and I think that you look at this, and I, I was looking at that word discipline, too, and I was thinking more on the lines of accountability. But how do you have accountability? And this is a big conversation, I think, if in the discipline ranks and in the conversations we've had before, that it has to be coupled with support. And I love that idea that nowadays it's not just the, the Board of Education coming off the, the, the principal's wall and saying, hey, you get a swap for this. But you have accountability through education. You're teaching kids the right way to do things. You're providing them with background that they may not they may or may not have, whether you're supporting a your parents um, uh, at home or whether their ideology at school and what they should do or what they should not do, but you're edu- educating kids on what how to handle situations. And because I mean let's face it, in today's world with students, there's interactions that are not always pleasant. And how do you react to that? And if kids don't have understanding, it's not within them to handle themselves with kindness, how to communicate through a process, how to think through it, then the punitive side of that is, is always negative. You want to be able to go through it and say, hey, I know you made a mistake. You ran the wing on the field, you ran the wrong way on the field. You know, <laughs> whatever it is. But in all seriousness, everybody makes mistakes. You do with the grace and you educate. So, you know, it's it's a different process than I think it was back in the
1: day. Well, and at the elementary level, we're, we're all all we're doing is teaching kids the right way because in a lot of cases, it's their first time interacting with that many other kids at a time. So they're not going to respond to just... If, you, if all you're doing is punishment, mm-hmm. then that's generally not going to work. And even if it works marginally, you don't really want a campus full of kids whose only motivation is, I hope I don't get punished today. Mm-hmm. There's no relationship there. If they're just trying to avoid the negative, it's not going to be... Certainly not anything that's going to be long-lasting or have any kind of impact on your site or in their own lives.
3: I mean, if we're sticking with the, the sports analogy, I mean, if you're out there coaching, let's say, basketball, and the the kid misses a shot, um, you're not going to say, oh, you missed a shot. Go home. I don't want, I don't want to see you again. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to teach him how to make that shot. But at the same time, you're not going to be on the starting team. I mean, like, <laughs> you lost your spot with the starting right. squad. You're sitting the bench. So it's a fine line we walk because – we can't just, you know, if a kid, if a person does something that's not appropriate, you can't just give them a sticker and march them back out there because that's not the way real life works. You have to walk the line between you can't just let, let like, ignore, excuse inappropriate behavior, but at the same time, you have to teach appropriate behavior, and and you really do want accountability, and by definition, that means taking personal responsibility for your actions. And just the most punishment in the world may not have anything to do with someone taking account responsibility.
0: I was just going to say that, you know, what I hear you saying, you didn't use the term, you're talking about like natural consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what life boils down to is when, when you don't do the right thing, you make mistakes, you have setbacks, there are natural consequences tied to that, just like the sports analogy. A natural consequence of not having that skill mastered yet is you may not be in the starting five. You may be second or third string. That's a natural consequence. But Getting a student or an athlete on the path to improving, that's your goal. And I actually, you mentioned something about the word discipline. I actually don't dislike the word discipline. I do believe that it's gotten misused and misunderstood. I think I, think I may have said this before, and I, I may have gotten fact-checked, but the idea <laughs> of discipline comes from the word disciple, which means to teach, right? So mm-hmm. if we're disciplining, really, I think oftentimes it gets confused with punishment and consequence right. when the reality is discipline, all it means is we are teaching kids those those um, expected behaviors Um, and you know, our responsibility is like Isaac said, if we're going to teach them a skill in PE, we're going to teach them how to read and write and do math. We need to teach them what those appropriate, um, behavioral skills and and, uh, character traits are. And so to me, that's what
2: discipline means. I think Chris, you're kind of hitting upon this too, as well. When you talk about supporting kids through something, you can't teach a child. They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to even be supported by you without relationships. And that, that is the foundation of it. If we don't develop a relationship where there's a, a system of trust between students and ourselves, and that's not always an easy thing to do, especially when that child uh, did something, you know, that they shouldn't have done. And to sit there and sit down next to that child and teach them through it, they also have to realize that they have, there's a certain amount of trust between you, between you and that child in order for them to listen and go through that process with you. And one of the
0: things that um, that I think we're we're kind of getting to, and and certainly has become, you know, those of you in education that listen know that we're all about the buzzwords and new new trends and new things. And one of the things we cannot not talk about is SEL, social-emotional learning, right? That's the new buzzword, But really understanding what's behind that, what that means. Um, I, I think I, I speak for all of this probably, and I, I'm pretty proud of the work that our district is, is trying to do to build capacity in our staff to impact kids in that way, but really what we're talking about is social-emotional learning, those competencies that kids, we know that kids need to be successful later on in life. I'd like to talk about that a little bit, and I also want to include Carrie, because um, she's somebody that I look to as an expert in this area as a assistant a, principal but also a person who's got the skill set to work with kids in this way I just want to open the door for her to chime in as well but talk to me about your thoughts on SEL
1: yeah maybe start with why those strategies and I know Isaac when you were a middle school principal um, with your team developed a, a really good program to help students um, correct their behavior in a way that wasn't seen as punitive so Uh, Yeah, so between Isaac and Carrie and the rest of us, um, what do do we think? I Kind of start with a a general definition for people that might not be familiar with it and kind of go from there. Go ahead, (laughs) Carrie. Nice.
4: So we're talking about the definition of SEL. A couple things I actually want to comment on um, when we were talking about discipline first was. Hold on, you can't fact check check me yet. We're not even there yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about developmentally appropriate, right? Our kids come to us preschool all the way to sixth grade for elementary, And then um, for secondary, you're probably expecting them to have more skills down. But for us at the elementary level, we have to look at, is that developmentally appropriate? Mm -hmm. Should we be expecting that behavior? They're going to make that poor choice. Then how do we turn that choice from a survival moment, right? Because a lot of our kids also come in with trauma, into a thrive moment. How do we take that opportunity to intervene, use that relationship Ryan was talking about, to help them develop the skills and change the behaviors but to truly actually impact the value system. That's kind of how I think about it. So So, social-emotional learning is, from an educational perspective, Uh we're trying to engage students in self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Goal-setting, self-management. Looking at all five, we're talking about self-awareness. Self-management, we have then social awareness, problem-solving skills, and then there's one more. Relationship skills. Uh, social awareness,
0: relationship skills, responsible decision
4: making. Thank you, sir.
3: I like, uh, and you're right, you went through the Kessel will, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the uh, step, it's more of a, a generalized uh, version of it, where the first step is just a kid is working at survival skills. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad for that student, for uh, that human being, uh, and their only real achievement or uh, like goal for that day is surviving until the next day. And then you move on to the inner. You start thinking about how things are impacting you. What things trigger me? What things get me angry? What things make me lose control? What are the signs of me doing that so that I can start intervening for myself? Because again, the, the goal here is to, be, to help you control yourself so that you can be productive and, and, and successful. And the last step is start thinking outwardly about how what I'm doing affects people outside of me. So those are the three steps along the way. And on everything you just mentioned, Carrie, fall into those mm-hmm. steps at one point or the other. But the most important part is that we work on that. Uh, we, we assess where the person is, and we start sometimes at the survival step. A lot, All too often, we jump straight to cause and effect. I'm going to show this kid how this action creates this effect, and then they're going to understand cause and effect, and they're never going to do it again. Uh, but that's unfortunately not the case when the students just thinking about survival. You don't know the home situation there, and no matter how bad the repercussions or whatever happened at the end, if that person's alive, that's a win. That's all they're processing. So you have to establish with them that where you're at, in this case school, is a safe environment. Mm -hmm. Adults care about you. Start thinking and reflecting on the people who care about you. Your mom might care about you, your aunt, your grandma, your teacher, your principal, your counselor, and start realizing, and kids need to become self-aware that, Things are not that bad, and and there are people that care about them, and you're in a safe environment, and then you can help them move from survival to the inward and start thinking about anger management and these kind of other things. But you can't just jump straight there. I mean, some kids you can. You have to have
4: connection. Right. You have to have connection. Yeah.
3: All too often we just jump to the higher higher end of SEL and we don't realize that the kid is not at that level to be able to do that. But one thing I wanted to say is that the people, the naysayers, if you will, for this, and I want to acknowledge them because they have a legitimate concern. I've heard all too often, you know, my student is not doing these things, doing everything they're supposed to, has the network and everything like that. And, you know, they're having to be exposed to this situation. I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, your student should not be penalized for it. However, I need to help this student correct this because otherwise, where do you want me to go? I mean, like he's gonna come back to the classroom and even if he didn't, he's gonna be in society with, mm-hmm. your, with your student right. in a few years after that. And realistically, what all we're doing here, like we talked about these other jobs we had, we could be in other professions, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to help society. We're trying to help the human race move in the right direction and in order to do that we need to help these young people student, become
0: student skill by skill moment by moment
3: yeah. yeah yeah i mean if if what we do can help drive crime down and drive violence down and help more people with successful graduation rates and, that helps everybody even I your high you functioning kid
1: yeah and it's sometimes hard to explain to parents of the the student who might have been a victim in a certain situation that yeah, yeah there's going to be there is going to be consequences for what happened but it's in a lot of cases it's not going to be what the parent of the quote unquote, victim in a situation would expect or even from their perspective hope for because they've, they've only got the perspective of their student. They don't have the responsibility of looking out for the overall well-being of everybody else. And I know we've all had conversations uh, like that for sure. I think also if you look at just
2: talking about looking at from full circle too, everything that we do, we've, we've advanced the society and understand even through the brain research, Mm-hmm. on how children work I and mean, we didn't know 30 years ago we talked about being triggered or fight or flight these are all types of things that we may not have understood fully how the brain works and the chemicals that are happening when a child comes in and they have trauma in their life or they just had a situation in the playground where they almost got into uh, maybe a physical altercation or let's just they maybe have lost a kickball game and they don't know how to handle <laughs> it go a little bit lighter and here we are back in the day you might have had somebody who try to say, hey, this is the way you're supposed to act. This is how you do it and what you do. The brain doesn't work that way. Well,
4: the reality is, too, children know how to solve their problems if we give them the opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. So it's really about asking the right questions a lot of the time and creating the alternative story for that situation. So, yes, I made this poor choice. Now I'm in the principal's office. Now, if I look back at it, having that moment... How would I do things differently? Kids know that because they've already made good choices in the past, given the same situation. So it's just tying in and empowering the students to the alternative story that they've already lived through.
3: And you know, and the reason why I'm so sensitive to what naysayers might say is that I'm a converted person. I used to be a hardliner. Like I, I want, you know, I want punishment. That doesn't work. I've seen it happen for years. It just don't work. But at the same time. People have to recognize, and I wish this message would get out, is what we're talking about here with SEL and, and things like this. There are still consequences. Mm-hmm. There are still yeah. natural consequences, like Eric talked about. We're not giving the kid a muffin and sending him back on <laughs> his way. Like there's natural consequences, but we're doing even more. And I'm here to tell you right now, doing I'll go with discipline, like like Eric's talking about the right the true definition of discipline. Doing discipline with SEL involved is actually harder,
1: oh. significantly. Yes. So yeah, so much more
4: work.
0: Yeah,
1: But I think that's kind of what I wanted to segue into before we wrap up the topic, because I know we're on a kind of time crunch and we want to be able to to wrap up in a timely way. Um, But uh, to just kind of go around real quick and just come up with or share some strategies that we've used with students uh, who had made poor choices, let's say, that wouldn't be considered punishment, but we found to be more effective. So let's just kind of go start with Carrie and Isaac and then work our way around.
4: I'm thinking about de-escalation. I'm thinking about students who are in a crisis and what I can do to help co-regulate them. And so one of the simplest ones is to, so if they're working from like their emotional brain, right, um, I might go in and want to connect with their emotional brain and not go to the logical pieces right away, the left brain. Um, So I'm thinking for co-regulation, I might actually ask them to sit, which is odd, I know, to sit across from me and ask them for hands, eyes. um, and It's really strange, and I know during COVID, it'll be a little bit different, so there'll have to be some space with it. Um, So I have to think about how to do that. But a lot of times, sadly, touch is what helps co-regulate a child. So for the little ones, um, we would probably put hand over hand, so to speak, um, and then just kind of ask them to hands eyes and, and tell me, how can I help? What do you need? How can I help? Those ones work really well. With the older students, it used to be like just a quick little soft touch on the shoulder and be like, what do you need? How can I help? And that, that's very receptive for students because you're actually, that touch um, is it's odd, but it, it, it's similar yeah. to um, when a mother is holding her infant and they're making the eye contact and, and they're rocking the baby and the baby feels that. That helps co-regulate a small child. So it's something the students are often very familiar with. Even though they don't know, it's innate.
1: All right, what about you? What's, what, what have you found effective?
2: Well, a lot of times for me, it's, it's more... On the lines that we talked about relationship but if you have a child who is escalating it's finding the cause of it providing them time and, and through a process And then down i'll just share it down the way and i'll keep it short in this but it's making connections with them later so once you've done the work and you've got them de-escalated and you're building relationships part of that is connection that will sustain it it's people on campus it's um, getting them in a program whether it's robotics or whether it's um, basketball, athletics, academic, it doesn't matter. They have to have that connection, not only with the school, but with people on campus. The
3: two come to mind off the bat. I don't know if there's like names or strategies for them. It just comes with experiences. One is, know when no it's, it's time to start talking to someone. Sometimes they're just not ready to talk yet. Mm-hmm. And you just like, okay, dude, sit tight. It's going to be cool. But notice also the words I'm using. Also, my, my voice, I my normally have a very deep voice. I intentionally raise it. I'm like I'm trying to be de-escalating in any way I possibly can. Chill out, man. We're we're gonna you know do some work or something. We'll, we'll hang out. We'll you get to tell me your side of the story in just a minute. The so when I see the kid calm down, I'll come in and I make it a point to never start off a conversation to have to have anything to do with why they're there. Man, I'll, whatever it is, like, man, did you see the game this weekend? Yeah. What the heck is wrong with That's the sad. Lakers? What, what are they doing? <laughs> I, and But it's also not something made <laughs> up. Why the Lakers? Because I hate the Lakers. Not a, a wow. championship, man. I'm a Bulls oh, fan. <laughs> oh. Look, there's two kinds of basketball just fans. Snurb, Bulls fans and yeah, wrong are. fans. Those Here are the two go. right there.
2: <laughs> okay, so oh.
3: anyway, um, it's called loyalty. Look it up. <laughs> so, um, in any case, it could be about a movie that I saw over the weekend, but it's something I genuinely was interested in. And I'll talk to the kid a little bit about it, and then at some point I'm like, "Hey, let's let's get this taken care of." What, what, what happened here, man? So I, I build that report. I guess it's built on that concept a while ago. It only takes a minute, uh, where it only takes a minute to connect to somebody. And, and you're
4: supporting their emotional need that they had at that moment, mm-hmm. and then you're meeting it with the logical questions to help them get to the answer to solve the problem differently.
1: And what I usually start with, with um, especially with elementary kids, but it really goes all the way, shoot, probably through adults, um, at the most basic level, we want our students to fix whatever problem they created. So if they hurt somebody else's feelings, they've got to make that connection with that student, whether it's writing a letter, having a personal conversation. If they broke something, if they damaged something, then they need to make restitution for that. But like we talked about with logical consequences, um, at, the, at the basic level, just you know whatever problem you created or... Uh, or instigator or whatever you need to make that right before we can move on to anything else
4: repair the harm yeah, yeah. and uh,
0: those are all great things I don't, I don't have a whole lot more to add but i'll just you know i think you guys hinted at that, that idea of time and space you know i'm thinking of the situation when i'm called out to a room or the playground because there is a kid in crisis because whatever um in a perfect scenario you know the child you know what's driving that behavior Um, For some kids, depending on the child, um, I'm thinking of one right now that I've worked with over the last few years. And for him, when he's in crisis, I know, number one, I need to be there. I need to be in his presence. But I also need to not give attention to the behaviors that are occurring. So if I can walk into a classroom and excuse everybody else and just be in that space with him, but also be in that space. and And it sounds really trite, but I may be looking at my phone or I may be you know, looking at the clock on the wall or picking up a book that I see on the table because if I know the behavior is attention-seeking, that's a very intentional move on my part mm-hmm. to not provide the attention to that behavior. And within a matter of minutes, it's so predictable with that student, that behavior will decrease and eventually stop. And then knowing when is it time to start having that conversation or it's like, oh my gosh, did you, have you read this book? Oh, this is <laughs> such a good book. Check this out. You know, So like Isaac said, finding something else to talk about and then once once you've established that back and forth, then you can start to go into repairing harm, as Carrie put it, which you were talking yeah. about, is, okay, this is what happened, let's repair the harm. And maybe with the teacher, or maybe with the student, maybe with the whole class. If the whole class had to leave because of something happened, you've got to repair the harm with that whole class and helping walk the, the child through that um, is, is a skill that I'm still developing. But, um, yeah.
3: You know, you, you hit on something that's super, super important, it's like... As a culture, as a society, I think we spend so much time talking and thinking about the negative consequences for negative actions. We don't spend enough time on positive uh, consequences, if you will, for positive actions. The the stick is no good without the carrot. I mean, like, realistically, you should be spending more of your time on the carrot. Uh, You want to do good because of the positive effects of doing good. Uh, Fear shouldn't drive what we're
0: doing. Um, the, the, the goal of a positive thing should really be what drives you. Well, and this is something Karen and I have talked a lot about here at our school because the reality is some of those kids, our Tier 3 kids, are the ones that end up getting the most time mm-hmm. with us often, right? We want that to be a good thing. We want that to be a good thing. We want that to be its own reward, that connection with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to turn that into a positive for those kids that, that – that people believe need to be recognized. What about the kids that always do the right thing? What about the kids that, that get the good grades that show up to school that do all the right things? How are we honoring them? Mm-hmm. And we're trying to kind of flip that idea a little bit, the idea that, well, that connection with somebody should be that incentive, right? So if they, if, if the, if the student wants to spend time with Ms. Lewis and have lunch with her, or if they want to spend time with the teacher outside of uh, class and ha- play a round of basketball with the teacher, mm-hmm. that should be the incentive of we're truly building connection.
3: You know, it's funny. Is that we had a norm for one of our, uh, our leadership teams that we were uh, that we worked on, and it was uh, it. Whenever we did something and came up with a plan or idea to help a student that, for, that was doing the wrong thing or whatever, we now were committed. We weren't going to leave the table until we also came up with something positive incentive for the people who were doing the right thing in that same exact situation. Because we wanted to build a culture that was based around positive reinforcement and as a secondary factor there was going to be some negative consequences for not doing the right thing. So if we spent the time designing something for the person who wasn't doing the right thing, we're now committed to stay at the table and come up with something for the people who are doing the right thing
1: to keep the culture we wanted to keep.
2: If anything goes wrong, it's my head. It's my head in
0: the smasher.
1: All right, and that brings us to the extra credit question. Uh, every episode, we come up with some weird, wacky, or mirthful question uh, to ask our guests. Uh, it can be anything from what's the biggest animal you think you could beat up to... That's a good one. Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> we, We've used that before. Uh, Mr. Everett chose sloth. Oh, Everett's nice. We so like kind like of grilled him a little bit. But our question for today has to do with time travel. So here's the question. You can go back in time and only spend one hour and then return to the present. To what point in time and place would you go and what would you do there? So here's the parameters that we're talking with. You can choose where you go also so you don't have to go back in time and be right here in Hesperia. You can, you can transport in place and time. And when you return, you automatically teleport to where you originally left from. Um, so just like back to the future, if you're not careful, you could run into your former self and any changes you make could impact the quote unquote time space continuum. If you commit a crime, say, assassinate Hitler, you could still be held accountable back here in 2020. And if you die in the past, that's the ball game. So who'd like to go first? You get one hour anywhere you want to go.
3: Uh, Well, just because I have a knee-jerk reaction, and because you mentioned Back to the Future, I'm sorry, I would go Back to the Future 2 status, Biff. I would uh, take the almanac back to myself and (laughs) make myself insanely rich as a result. But it's not all selfish. I could use the money to do a lot of good things and try to help charities and stuff like that, and also be insanely rich. So what
1: point in time would you go to, though? Oh, you remember, you only get an hour. You can't spend like a week like Marty and Biff. In what Idaho was the actual
3: date? Was it November 18th, 1956 in, uh, uh, in, in Back to the Future? Oh, well, I, I got the fact, check, yeah, we're that a fact <laughs> check. All right, There we go. It was something like that. Maybe 1955. I think it was 1955. I think it was
1: 55. Yeah. But it um, okay, Carrie so will come up with the exact date.
3: Well, I, mean, I guess I would pick right before my 18th birthday so that I'd i have it so when I turn 18, there you that's go. what I was used to. All right. But that's, a, that's kind of cheating, though, because you mentioned Back to the Future, and then yeah, my head that just
1: here. got stuck there. Me, let, me get, let me set up some ideas here. Uh, you got different possibilities. I mean, you could joke, just go back and be a fly on the wall and observe anything you want. You could observe the signing of the Declaration of Independence and Ooh. just leave. And and as long as Thomas Jefferson didn't say, who's the giant over there in the corner, and see what happens at that point. Um, or you could, you could make some kind of financial or personal gain, as you alluded to, or you could alter history if you wanted to. So... Uh, so anyway, Ryan, what about you? you got one hour at any time. You I'm head. just surprised at the
2: question. How so? Well, we're educators. If we go back in time, why would he use back the future rules and not Bill and Ted rules? <laughs> I'm just saying. They're Fair in point. a school. Fair point. You know, historical questions, you know, going back, you know, finding amazing people, getting their perspective on life, um, which I'd love to do. That would be neat to talk down, talk with uh, Mr. Franklin or, you know, just have a conversation with a historical figures. And I'm not trying to be, but my choice, if given the rules, because I'm afraid of time travel, because it never ends well for <laughs> anybody. <laughs> this is totally true. <laughs> never, if we've seen enough movies. I mean, I don't want the time travel police coming after me because, you know, I picked up a coin when I shouldn't have. or I won the lottery at the wrong time. You know, that's just not even fair. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm not being sacrilegious. I, I really believe this. I think, wouldn't it be fun to have a conversation with Jesus? I mean, serious. I mean, go back and find out. Witness a miracle. I mean, what, I mean, turn the water into wine, feed the masses.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would love. You could turn it. that into profit too, because that's three gallons of Dom Perignon. But, yeah, he but here's he the best. You're part. In, <laughs> that's true. And the best part is a nice vintage zero. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I love how he goes to Jesus, and I'm over here thinking if I break any rules, will Jean-Claude Van Damme show up like Tongue Time Cop?
1: And I don't even know if I want to tell mine now. I'm still kicking. I must
3: be on... What was that? Oh, you had to have to edit in that, that soundbite. What did he oh. say? I'm still kicking. I must be on Broadway.
2: Oh. Oh. <laughs> that movie was a 90s movie. I'm a child of the 90s. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Okay, oh, truly
1: true. But think about this. I mean, if... Also, he's all-knowing, so these rules don't apply. So here's something I've always wanted to say and never had the opportunity. So back to Jesus. <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> oh, that's 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 pretty interesting. So going back to Jesus, <laughs> fact-checking the myrrh, was it really there? <laughs> that's um, the first question. Murd, what is, what is murd? Murd. There's a TH on there. That's true. <laughs> is, is there such a thing as a silent TH? <laughs> no we uh but i mean just it'd just be interesting to sit down with with them and say you know is this what was expected you know talk about (laughs) fast check fact checking i mean look at look at what where we are today was this expected is this where we're being and what would you say give me some advice going back to the people in the future you know that would just be quite a conversation i think to to just sit down and pick his brain just for a minute I just want to point out, he can also tell you all the games to bet on. And so your choice
3: was way better than mine. This is totally, I'm very, I feel very inadequate at this point. All
1: right. Well, I, I had a couple uh, to choose from being a sports fan. My first thought is to go back to 2004 and kidnap David Ortiz. So the Yankees win the 2004 ALCS, but then that happens. It's over. We've got 27 world championships anyway, and I've, I've missed a golden opportunity. Um, I'm surprised you didn't think of this one, Isaac. Um, I'm not going to go back very far at all. I'm going to go back uh, to Wuhan, China in like... Oh. I'm going to go there about a year ago and say, do, don't eat the bat, whatever you do. Leave the bats are not food.
3: Bring it in that burger and out burgers. Something here. Have this.
1: Have this. Animal fries um, are delicious. But, you know, ultimately I came up with um, what's going to make me the most money. Uh, so... So I would... I would take my time machine back to March 13th, ironically enough, March 13th, 1986, with $10,000 in my pocket, and invest in Microsoft. Because I've done the math on this: $10,000 invested in Microsoft on the day it went up for public sale would be worth $16 million today. So there you go. It's kind of selfish. It's either, <laughs> you know, it's either save the world from a pandemic or become a multimillionaire. And you well, know, you did have a whole hour though.
3: So, I, I think you, you really, I think you can put some ideas
1: together here. Oh, there, that's yeah. true. An like, hour and 19, ooh, an hour and 19. Could you go to Wuhan, starts.
3: slap the bat out of the guy's hand, <laughs> all the way
1: to the bank, How <laughs> and then invest in Here's something. the question. How old was the guy that ate the bat, and what was he doing on March 13, 1986? <laughs> look this is a very complicated question. I don't that's think right. you realized it when you wrote it. it no, we is that
2: movie time for an hour? Because you can do a lot in movie time. I mean, just let's say, you know, like a montage, yeah. a montage of, of time changing.
1: I like exactly. it. <laughs> All right. So how about you, Eric, if you could go back in time for one hour and then return to the present, where are you going and what are you doing?
0: Oh, my gosh. You know, so for the listeners out there, Chris comes up with this stuff. And then literally I sit there at night at my kitchen table looking at these, trying to think of something. Uh, you know and and this one is interesting because you can go a lot of different directions I mean yeah. you know you, you want to prevent COVID you want to uh, you know stop a stop a I don't know a train robbery That's I'm getting really <laughs> a <laughs> a train
1: robbery. I'm going to go back to 1843 exactly. Jesse James is going to rue the day
0: exactly rue, <laughs> rue that's right up there with mirth but I digress um, you know I think about like these movies right like I, last episode we talked about It's a Wonderful Life and this idea that you change one event in your life life, go back to one event, change yes. it, and it sends things off in a direction. Another favorite movie of mine, not a not a well-known one, I don't think, but I believe it was Jim Belushi and Mr. Destiny. I love
1: that movie. Loved Mr. Love Destiny. It. Rene same Russo. Was in
0: Rene that, Russo, yes. yeah, same concept. There right? you go. okay. You know, he uh, he loses the big game in Little League, or high school baseball. Yeah, remember, yeah it's but, his high school, I think it's know, his high school baseball. Sends team. him off in this supposed, I'm using air quotes, yeah. a mediocre life, right? And so, he, he always wants to go back and, and hit the game, winning home run, and win the game. And so, his guardian angel played by oh gosh
1: a i know john michael kane michael
0: yes uh, thank you nice job nice. Um, you know it lets him see what his life would have been like yeah. and it turns out that there's some really positive things about it but overall yeah. he ends up missing so you know that notion of, of altering your own path so to speak hollywood would tell us that's not the best course of action no. um but you know i think about things like gosh if i could go back and you know i think about like okay I'm gonna get really serious here for a minute, but you know, living in Southern California, earthquakes are a big top, a big uh, thing that we have to be really careful right. about. And I think about, like, you know, when I was a kid, I don't remember what year it was, Carrie Lewis, fact checker, but the the last large earthquake in San Francisco, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I think about, like, I was a young kid, so I remember watching the news and watching, like, the Bay Bridge collapse and watching these cars get crushed and watching, literally on TV, watching this destruction on, unfold. And, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, scientists have been for years trying to predict earthquakes. Mm-hmm you know and this is one of those things if you had an hour if you could go back and you could stand there and and somehow have the uh, have the voice to be able to tell people that in an hour this is going to happen I mean, imagine <laughs> the lives you could say. because you're really, assuming
1: they'd listen to you. Exactly. You're not well, you're some that's why I said have the voice.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be standing on a street corner holding a book and a robe, you know, because they would just move on past me. Um, but, you know, assuming that I had the technology and the ability right. to kind of foresee things that were going to happen. You know, of course you want to go back and like win the lottery or pick the, you know, the winning numbers. Those things all sound well and good. But, you know, I'm going to stay noble here and say, you know, I'd love to be able to to warn people. Of impending doom I mean if you think about 9-11 think about things that you could have done to save people eternally wanting to you know make 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 the world better I, I'd have I kinda to kind of want to
1: change my answer now I feel like a selfish jerk
0: I'd have to want to go along the lines of something like you know 9-11 earthquakes natural disasters being able to warn people because the reality is earthquakes don't kill people right right it's buildings and, and, and yeah. things like that that kill people yeah. so nobody's afraid of an earthquake in an open field
1: that's a good point. That should be a t-shirt.
0: Right? I don't I mean, know. There's got
1: to be some kind of metaphysical meaning behind that. No one's afraid of an earthquake in an open in field. In an
0: open field. I mean, the reality is we're not afraid of earthquakes. We're afraid of our houses falling on us. That's right. And hurting, you know, so.
1: I, I would know. donate some of my $16 million to charity.
0: <laughs> some. I said, said some. I left some? that really is open. like
4: if I left myself with $15.7 million. I'd still be doing <laughs> good.
0: Yeah, wow. After taxes, you know.
1: all right well on that note i think we. oh yeah so uh anyway just not to
0: leave y'all heavy-handed like that but in any case i think that wraps up this episode uh for all of you listening out there um you know thank you to our special guest isaac and ryan for coming out uh had a great time with them i think maybe we've laughed more today than we have yeah that was a lot of fun and we could probably spend a couple more hours with them if we wanted to yeah we want to do that to you guys this time. Right. We'll wrap up with this. Do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Alone With Our Principles on fact Spotify. Check, fact check.
4: Fact check. After, right after our <laughs> fact check. There you yes, go. the podcast is not over until we fact check. Yeah, so, have to
0: so, Go ahead. What do you got for us? Well,
4: I will work backwards. How about that? So the earthquake that you mentioned, the San Francisco Bay Bridge collapse, actually happened in 1989.
1: Is that the one of the okay. World Series? That was when the World Series was coming. It was oh, a that Candlestick was shaken, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: I still have some of those images in my mind. I was yeah. trying to really place it in my childhood,
0: TV. but that would make sense, yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, don't get upset, Chris, 89, so I was, I was a young teenager. And then we yeah, had- I was 24. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember where I was when I was watching the game. Though. Yeah. yeah.
4: And then we had a conversation about Back to the Future 2. And the time travel back, what year was it when they went back?
1: Well, yeah, I think the date that Isaac was referring to was in Back to the Future, the original. Well, they go back to the 50s. In both one and two. So, anyway, yes. what date what did, did he set the so flex capacitor
4: for? He guessed or tried to recall and said November 8th, 1956, I believe, and it's November 12th, 1955.
0: Okay, there you go. Close. So, What's today? Scary, oh, Today's close. the 10th. Oh, that was. Well, would... and, and I was just watching, we were watching Back to the Future 2, and then when they go to the future, do we know what date that was? Yeah, that's I... what, it's, already passed. It was it's 30, already passed. It was
1: 2015, October. Nah, I don't know. We're not going to fact check the fact check, but it was—I'm I, I, pretty sure it was <laughs> October. Don't. Pretty sure it was October 2015. And I well, when you know,
0: there's smoke coming out of my ears the other night when I was with my eight-year-old watching Back the Future Two and trying to explain oh. that they went to the future, but the future's already passed. I was just like, yeah. yeah. And the fact check, I was like, that date's already
4: yeah. passed.
0: I just had to say, trust me, it was the future yeah. at that time. At the
1: time, it was the future. <laughs>
4: All right. Not even confusing for kids to no, follow not at on. all. She was totally with me. Yeah. She just smiled.
2: About to it.
4: to yeah. honor all the mirth that was taking place, I did actually look up the definition, and I felt that like, again, you embodied it very well. Amusement, especially as expressed in laughter.
1: My
0: life is filled with mirth. <laughs> I learned something new. It just, you know, it sounds a lot like other words that mean something <laughs> right. different.
4: This whole last hour has been filled with mirth for me. Thank you. Yes, yes. thank you. So
0: will show up again on a future episode. And on that note, with everybody's permission, I will end the episode. Once again, reminding all of you to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about any other podcast apps. And with don't that.
1: forget to follow us on Facebook. Facebook. We lots we of Facebook. Fun Facebook stuff page there. there. So, everybody have a mirthful day.